Hey everyone, this is Noor and you're listening to the Radical Contemporary Podcast. In this episode, I speak to a very special guest, Shahira Hamida. Shahira is the co-founder of Noor Meditation app. We speak about how meditation can be life-changing, as well as the even more life-changing experience of meditating in your own language, furthermore, in your own dialect. Shahira is tackling the very tricky and challenging task of creating meditations in all of the diverse and beautiful and varied dialects of the Arabic language, including Egyptian Arabic, Lebanese Arabic, Saudi Arabian Arabic, and so on. Shahida takes us through the experience of how she is a non-tech founder of a tech application and how she built the correct team to handle her tech. They are very soon launching a brand new app, The current application is the beta version, and in my opinion, it is brilliant. But by the time this episode is out, you will be able to download the new Noor Meditation app. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. I've done a few meditations on there myself as the voice. And thank you, Shahira, for opening up this space in our region. And now to my conversation with Shahira Hameda. Okay, so right now I'm speaking to Shahira Hameda. And I met you yesterday in person, finally, which was really cool. You have this incredible application, Mood Meditation. Um, I really want to know, I really want you to take us back a little bit, actually, to your childhood. Where did you grow up? So I was born and raised in Morocco, in Tangier, which is at the very north of Morocco. My mom is from Tangier, um, hence why I was born and raised there. Um, I lived there up until I was about 12, 13 years old. I moved to Casablanca after that. And then following that, I moved to Paris. So Paris is where you met, I guess, a bunch of our mutual friends, I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> correct. That is correct. Yeah. Yes. So as, as sort of like a teenager growing up where you sort of like, rowdy or were you really chill did you always have a creative side um that you noticed throughout um throughout like the college years etc um as a child I was actually very quiet um I'm quite a lonely child um actually and um growing up throughout high school I did develop a creative flair and desire and I was very much into things like photography and whatnot and We take pictures with manual um, cameras and, you know, use the darkroom to develop. And so that's where my curiosity really started in, in the creativity world. And then when I kind of moved on to Paris and graduated from high school there and then college, my mind was kind of wired at some stage into everything that was more or less commercial, but still kind of within the creative side of things. I was very much interested and the creative side of advertising. And that's actually where I started my career right after graduation um, from college in Paris, where I joined a creative agency, which was also kind of a startup and also my first experience within the startup world as well. Um, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. I was doing, a, I was working very closely with the creatives on that side. So you're an entrepreneur, obviously. You created something from scratch, and it's an incredible sort of innovative idea. Before we get into like the nitty-gritty of mood meditation, I want to know what actually got you into meditation. Were you in a state of 
Like, were you working at the time? I'm sure there's always a starting point that happens way, way, way before uh, you start that thing that becomes your passion. So you told me a little bit about it yesterday, but could you kind of expand on that story? Of course. Um, it almost feels like, you know, everything that I've experienced ever since I was a child led me to um, building Noor. Essentially, I've grown up being extremely sensible to mental health in general. One of uh, my family members, a close family members of mine, has um, suffered with severe mental health issues growing up. And so we we got to experience within our close family firsthand and secondhand the lack and the scarcity of mental health services um, within the Arab world. And of course, the taboos and the stigmas that lay around such topics within the family and of course, within the wider society as well. Um, so I've always felt very um, sensible to these topics. When I was in college, actually, I was, and, and also high school, um, I was lucky enough to be introduced to classes such as psychology, introduction to psychology and sociology. And I was very, very interested in this. Somehow um, I was led astray again to more like commercial um, topics and themes and uh, majors. And I, I majored in global communications. Um, okay. Essentially, sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Keep going. I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of interested in the fact that this is, this has always been sort of like an underlining, kind of, yeah. you know, beat. That's okay. So, <laughs> so then, how, how did that develop into you, sort of? Because the reason I ask this question is because I know that within the Arab world, I'm sure you know this. Meditation isn't something that we really. Uh-huh. Have practiced regularly until recently and a lot of people associated I mean sometimes I would I would ask my friends do you meditate they're like well no I, I pray or I do xyz yeah. uh, it's it's kind of a practice that we've adopted more openly more recently so so you are sort of a pioneer in that sense I'm sure you you know the stigmas towards that as well so so definitely mm-hmm. I'd love to know how you personally got into it as well so I started my mindfulness journey about um, six, seven years ago, more or less. Essentially, I was also going through something quite difficult. So um, after college, as, as mentioned, you know, I, I took a completely different route. I was uh, much more into the whole commercial side of things and kind of put aside this whole interest around um, psychology and um, sociology and whatnot. And so it's only when I started going through some um, difficult times with from, from, from a personal perspective in my life that I was kind of thrown um, right into it. I was at a trip actually in Bali. And um, right before the trip, I picked up a couple of books from my shelf. One of them was Rumi, another was Hafez. And actually the third book was The Power of Now, I'm sure you've heard of, by Iker Tolle. Um, and when I when I got to Bali, I was um, you know ready to try everything, and um, I joined a bunch of friends who've been living there for quite a while. And I said, you know, throw everything at me. I'm ready to try literally everything and anything. And that's when I was really introduced to mindfulness and meditation, one on one classes um, with some extraordinary teachers. From there on, you know, it kind of just um, drove me into this incredible journey, and I kept the meditation practice after my trip. And I did it more or less religiously. I actually was also using Headspace at the time, which I'm sure you know. And um, I've used it for a few months. 
And um, yeah, from there on, really just kept meditating for, for a few years until, you know, the, the idea of Noor popped up. Essentially, I was having a conversation uh, with my father at the time. And we were discussing stress and anxiety and how to deal with things. And I suggested meditation to him. And um, he got a bit frustrated saying, you know, I don't really know what meditation is. I'm not sure where I can learn how to how to meditate. And, you know, my father lives in Tangier as well. Um, right. And he said, I said, you know, it's actually quite a an easy practice, but super, super powerful. Let me find something similar to Headspace in Arabic, as I'm pretty sure it exists. And so I just kind of dived into the research for a couple of days to try and find something similar um, in Arabic. And to my surprise and disappointment, I found absolutely nothing. And this is pre-COVID, right before COVID hit. This is very recently. I mean, this is like 2019 or what was that? Yes, it was it was early or mid 2019. Um, We were having a conversation over the phone. And, you know, I was almost sure I was going to find something, you know, whether it was on YouTube or or some sort of landing page with some guided meditations. And I found absolutely nothing. I mean, when I mean nothing, it's not even a guided meditation. Forget about that. I, I didn't even find a landing page saying, you know, you suffer from severe PTSD, which is something that is pretty common in the MENA region. This is who you should be speaking to, or um, these are the symptoms of PTSD, because obviously a lot of people have PTSD, but they don't even, they're not even aware of the fact of what PTSD is and what what are the symptoms. So I was, I was quite shocked and, you know, thought about it for a couple of weeks. And then right there and then I decided, well, someone has to do it. And so I decided to quit my job at the time, which was at CNN International in London and build Nord Meditation. Where, where were you working at the time, Shahira? In London at CNN International. Okay. So mm-hmm. I think this is an incredible story. Um, honestly, <laughs> it's it's so interesting to me because like, I, I had a similar sort of inception story where I looked for a podcast that sort of spoke to individuals like yourself and and, and people who are doing incredible things within the Middle East and North Africa region. And I couldn't find a single podcast. I found ones that were like chatty or business oriented or not, or et cetera. So that was in 20, 2020 for me. I also had that first mover advantage sort of thing. I think it's interesting that your, your podcast, your, sorry, I think it's interesting that your application is called Noor. I'd love to know why. And also, um, and the fact that you ventured into Arabic in meditation, I mean, for me, I, I love this language. I fell back in love with it, but there are so many dialects. We talked about this yesterday. So you had a whole sort of like challenge to go through. Where did you start? That's a good question. Well, first of all, I'll, I'll explain where the, the name comes from. Mood. I was deep into the ideation phase um, with my business partner and we were looking at different names, of course. And, you know, we created a whole list of different names. And essentially, we bumped into Noor and I thought, you know, Noor is a beautiful name and it means light. And of course, so, so relevant to meditation when you're meditating, you know, you uh, follow the light or you meditate, you know, um, kind of visualizing light coming out of your body or your hands or, you know, your your, your crown, um, head chakra. And in Arabic, it actually also means divine light. And um, I'm a big believer that we meditate to really 
find the light inside of us, actually not find it, but kind of rediscover it because it is always within us. Um, and, um, yeah, that's how, that's how it really, really kind of settled into, uh, Noor and Noor meditation. Uh, I thought it was super relevant in actually in, in, in Islam, it, it means divine light itself. I was afraid it was going to be quite common name and people, you know, really associated to, um, names for personal people like yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, it actually works really well. It's also really beautifully written in Arabic, three words in English is three words in th- sorry, three letters. And visually it looks beautiful. It sounds great. It's pronounceable in both English and Arabic for our um, diaspora out there. And, um, you know, the, the meaning behind it is also quite stunning. Yeah, I agree. I look honestly, other than the fact that it is my name and probably the reason <laughs> why my parents name uh, not to be biased, but I do love my name. It's it's such an easy one, and wherever I go in the world, actually, I, I as recently in London and and in several other places, when I say my name, they're like, "Oh, that means light" in Arabic. It's interesting how certain mm-hmm. names are just known, uh, the meaning of them. Yeah. Um, I guess. So I love that. Starting the app, you had to. I suppose you had to make a decision at one point. Was it going to be one Arabic dialect, or was it going to be meditating? in every in as, yeah. as many as you could access so how did that conversation go well the during the ideation phase again we were thinking it was going to be we're only going to do it in classical arabic because it is the arabic that is understood throughout the mina region of course the mina region um, is linguistically complex with different dialects as you mentioned but as we spoke to our very early adopters and users within our very close circle, because this was before we launched our beta version of the app or the MVP, yeah, we realized we realized that it was very important to release this within the mother tongue. We were getting a lot of feedback saying, this reminds me of Tarbiya Islamia, or this reminds me, you know, it, it sounds super formal, um, not sure it's entirely relatable. And a lot of our, you know, early adopters or generations like you and I, very dialectical in Arabic, but not so much in classical Arabic. Um, And so we started exploring the idea of testing out a few different dialects. And so, you know, at very early stages in um, startups, I actually recorded a couple of sessions myself um, in different dialects and um, made a couple of my family members just to test it out and see how people felt, felt about it versus classical Arabic. And actually, the feedback was super positive. Of course, it didn't make things easier for us from the production side of things and the whole process of putting out their guided meditation through different dialects. But this is essentially what gives us the edge at Noor Meditation or Noor and um, what differentiates us from the rest of the local apps and as well as the international or the unicorns of the West. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, essentially, it, this is why our users relate uh, very much to uh, the content that we provide. I got such incredible feedback for the Ramadan series that we had collaborated on. <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah, previously. It was amazing. Um, so many people listened to it and so many people were 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 so into the fact that it was Egyptian dialect. It was 
Um, and I listened to one of the Lebanese ones yesterday. And I just think it's so incredible that you, you managed to actually access all of these different, different types of like sensations, I want to say. So what has been like the biggest challenge so far? I know the apps and the beta version still, you told me yesterday, you guys are uh, working on an incredible new version coming out super soon. So what's been like the biggest obstacle you've overcome in, in building this, this, this application? Um, well, actually, there's, I mean, there are a lot of challenges, um, you know, within the startup world. But if I were to, pick, you know, uh, one within the theme, so let's say, for example, content, one of the earliest challenges that we were faced with was finding local content, finding local meditation teachers, because the other differentiating aspect of Noor is that we like to call ourselves culturally relevant. The idea is understanding that the Arab world is an already spiritual world that has its own spiritual practice that exists. As we uh, were looking and sourcing content, meditation teachers, it was a lot easier for us in the early stages to find teachers internationally. Um, this is why we have Sharon right. Salzberg, who's you know very known in the meditation world, Nikki Morgarafi, um, and so on and so forth. And the the whole cycle and the process of sourcing content internationally and then making it local um, was super challenging. And so we had to dive deep into the research of, you know, finding those little gems of meditation teachers in the local um, MENA region, basically. So that was quite challenging, but, you know, we, we got the hang of it over time and now we have, you know, meditation teachers both locally and internationally. Um, so that was one of the earliest challenges as well. And I think also from Another perspective, you know, my background is not in tech at all. So that was quite challenging for me to dive into the tech think, world. I'm obviously think, a non-technical founder. One of the one of the top questions I think people would, would want to know, um, including myself, is how are you brave enough to tackle an app <laughs> and all of you know what I mean? Like I I honestly really I'm not a I'm not a tech savvy person either, unfortunately. But when I started the podcast, I taught myself sound editing and I did and I just kind of like dived in because I felt like I needed to understand at least the minimal, the bare minimal. Mm -hmm. And then and then you obviously get people who are experts in, in their field and that. But you knew from the get-go you wanted an application. You don't want to do like a YouTube page or like a you you dived straight into app development, right? Yeah, I mean, essentially, you know, in the beginning, we were considering whether it was going to be just a simple landing page, which it started, it started out being a landing page in the early stages. And then we just thought that, you know, if we want to impact as many people as possible, we'd have to turn it into an app um, and to be able to scale properly. Yeah, I mean, ignorance is a bliss. <laughs> I really didn't know what I was getting myself into, essentially. <laughs> when I decided to create an app for this. So, uh, yeah, ignorance is definitely a bliss from that perspective. Um, but you take it really day by day. And, and, of course, also the passion behind it. Essentially, this is a very personal story for me. Growing up, I wish I was able to offer a self-healing tool for myself and for my family uh, member. I think it would have made an immense difference if we were taught at a young age, how to self-heal, how to regulate our emotions, and, you know, just self-healing practices in general, it would have made an immense difference for me and I think for many other people. So the, the passion is really 
drove is what really drove me to dive into the unknown and and step into what I didn't really understand at that stage and gave me the courage. Yeah, and I agree with you. I think um it's it's amazing now that we have books and tools and applications and mm-hmm. you 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 find your way, but um I think as well breaking the stigma and the idea that meditation can be a supplement to any other spiritual practices that you have. I think this is a conversation that I've had with a few people, which is, um, you know, you can pray and you can meditate and you can do both. And, and it's, it's sort of like, I think it's something that we're, we're adopting more and more here in Egypt, for example, where I live personally, I'm based in Cairo. There aren't many meditation practitioners. Like you can't really go to like a meditation class or a med- you know what I mean? Like it's not as common. Mm-hmm. It's, it's starting mm-hmm. to be, which is interesting. So this is, and then uh, when I was speaking to a few people that I, that I, uh, that I've worked with you, they started, you know, they, they're, they're interested. They're like, all right, send me the application or like, let's discover. Mm-hmm. But I think it, you're making it so much more accessible because at the end of the day, applications like Headspace is incredible as they are they're not accessible to many people, specifically with things like sleep stories. Like we were discussing that yesterday. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a very personal sort of thing that you need to relate to, to get into, et cetera. What's been the best part of this whole journey so far for you, Yashahira? Like what has it been the feedback? Has it been the process of creating such a beautiful app? It's, it's a beautiful app, by the way. It's, it's like, (laughs) I I know it's going to get better, but still. Like what's been like such a joy for you so far? Well, there are two aspects of it. One is, you know, me stepping out of my comfort and and the learning curve that comes with it. I, you know, kind of as days go by, I'm discovering my own potential as a human being and growing day by day, uh, pushing my limits from a, from a mental perspective, if I can say, but also from skills perspective. So that is incredibly, you know, enjoyable to 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 watch myself grow as I'm building something to give other people tools to also grow. And then the other most satisfying thing I would say within this project is indeed the feedback. When we do get messages, um, whether it's you know from within my own circle or from the outside world within our users. And we get feedback like, you know, this really changed my day or it changed my perspective in life. It's just incredibly satisfying to see, you know, when you're so into the work every single day and you get so caught up into it and all of a sudden you get a message that is so satisfying, you really understand how worth, how worth it, how all of it is worth it. <laughs> yes, 100%. And, and I'm sure the feedback from users and how, how much it's been sort of meditation can be life-changing. I think we can agree on that. And when you discover Mm -hmm. it, you see its potential. It's sort of like an unlock that happens, at least for me personally, for you, you mentioned that yesterday. So I think it's honestly a gift. I think my last question is what's next for Noor meditation, the app. Um, I know you guys are in like a really exciting moment right now. So I'd love to know what's coming up. Yeah, so um, essentially um, what we can discuss in, in, in regards to what's coming up is, of course, the, we're releasing a new app. So we've been actually using the MVP or the beta version longer than when we what we expected just because it, it just still works so well and we didn't really feel the need to invest a little bit earlier on the current app. We actually use, going back to the 
to tech and, and non-technical founders, we built this on a no-code app. And there's so many tools out there today that can allow non-technical founders like myself dive into uh, projects such as these. And um, so, yeah, we, we, we fundraise and, you know, we're building um, uh, our current new app, uh, so which will be released in about three to four weeks. The other aspect of it is the dialects worked so well and was so um, we got such great feedback um, from that. Uh, regards that we are actually going to start expanding into different dialects. We'll potentially do Haliji, and then we're looking into doing some North African um, dialects as well. And of course, just the expansion as well of you know partnering up with schools and universities and charities uh, to kind of offer this to as many uh, younger target as possible, because of course that is the future um, of the Arab world. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, shoot me a text or direct message us on Instagram at Radical Contemporary, where we'd love to hear your feedback and the topics you'd like to listen to. Also, you can check out our website, www.radicalcontemporary.com, where all of our content is available. Finally, we'll be hosting a new guest every week. So stay tuned.